the big thing uh, I think would that would be uh, critical and, and a big component of that is we're all in this together where we're trying to educate the public on the value and enjoyment of craft beer. The more we all succeed at that, the better the, better the whole industry is. I'm into that. Save that soundbite for later because I'm, I'm about mm. to, I'm ready to go live. So remember you said that entire sentence. I hope, I hope you had that written down. No, but uh, I can probably fake it if it comes em- up again. Em- Embroider it <laughs> on your pillow. I am Ross. Joining me is my co-host, Ian, and of course, as an extra special guest tonight, we have with us Rob of Great Roads Brewing and are attempting to drink NS Dry. My mind went blank for a moment, and I wondered if I ever pronounced drink Nova Scotia Dry. Do I always say drink NS Dry? You'd think 147 times, 56 podcasts, you'd think I'd remember what I said. technically, that makes us adversaries, now that I think of it, because I'm making the beer, you're trying to drink the beer, who wins? We're adversaries now. It, is this like the the immovable object hitting the the well, uh, unstoppable whatever it is? It feels like an unsurmountable goal to to drink the province dry yeah. to have absolutely everything. Because if we just in paying attention to what's going on in the Maritime Craft Brew Facebook group, Ian and I we drink two or three beers a week to to talk about them. We are falling woefully behind everybody else. We are not drinking yeah. near enough. Yeah. So I think I I call it a good pace, but at the same time, we're we're I don't think it's ever going to happen. We're we're never going to very run. happily. We're not keeping up with the production and the and the seemingly the week to week introduction of new beers in the market. And it's nice, isn't it? Because can you imagine? Because we were we were we kind of had this conversation maybe a year or so back, didn't we, Ross? Uh, even a year or so back, where I was like. I was thinking, if we do like two or three a week, then we're going to run out of this. You, this won't go. No, you actually said that. You said that. Yep. You said, won't yep. we run out? Yeah. Yeah. No, we're near. Yeah. We had the category manager of craft beer at the brewery for a meeting today. And uh, he talked about, uh, you know, the growth in the category, stuff like that, and how many SKUs there are and stuff like that. So, yeah. And it's, I, I'm assuming up is, is the uh, short slow version. up. Yep. I can I can certainly remember not that long ago a time when there was some propellers and a few garrisons in the LC and that was it. That mm-hmm. was oh look here's this little cute niche bit of hey not here's the not Keats and here's the not Labatt Blue. Went, oh okay, is fun. But it's um yep. th- there there is a representation. I I know oh the number is something bizarre like 72 75 something like 75 craft breweries operating in Nova Scotia. I know there's not all 75 are in every single NSLC. No, I think he said there's only actually about 50 of the breweries uh, total are in various NSLCs. That's still pretty darn good, especially yeah. for the size of some of these ones. There, there are, I mean, the nano breweries especially. Yeah. Well, what it, what they talked about today was actually uh, how they do sort of which stores you get into, stuff like that. Um, and the category management, um, because they all, you know, they don't want, you know, and it, it kind of makes sense, you know, as much as I would love Cape Breton to, uh, drink our beer instead of Breton brewing or something like that. Um, it's harder for us to get it to them. So it's only NSLCs that can get it. And I'm going to repeat time and time again, come visit the brewery. We have way more selection than what, what you can get of ours at the NSLC. So, you know, it almost would prefer 
it to be more hyper local in order to for the people who can come to the brewery go oh that's a nice beer mm. they have more i should go try them I took, and I always explain that the, the best part about this, of doing the show was we, dur during the pandemic, we combined my wife's love of going on road trips and my love of finding breweries and beer in general, where we would go to these places and we would come back with, oh, look at this. You could only get this at the store. And, uh, and so we have a closet full of things that we just kind of collect that you can't always get in the NSLC and a, a, a large over proportion of what we drink is not available province-wide so you say hey we're trying this one from from hell bay down in liverpool can you get it yeah. well no but it's delicious so you should get yourself you know go on a road trip go to the, go down to the south shore go visit all of these ones go take a full loop around and yeah. have have a sip have a flight and it's absolutely worth it same for uh, cape breton same same kind of thing north shore and it but i, I think before we went live we, we actually ian was asking you about uh, the difference between competition and camaraderie and you did you did say and i think that that hyper local i i i think fixating on the hyper local thing means it's easier to be a camaraderie than a competitor where you're not saying oh big spruce put out an ipa the same week we did those jerks it's, <laughs> it's a yeah it's um, quite a different it, market people don't travel far for beer except me well uh, no i uh, i include beer in all my road trip plans um, oh, good. I'm not you know, you know, um, you know, road trips, brewery to brewery. So yep. two years ago, my wife said, I want to go visit Quebec city. And my mind immediately went, uh, okay. And then I started thinking, how am I going to find a bunch of Quebec city breweries? How am I going to do that? <laughs> and we had them, they were all mapped out and we had a walking tour. It was, yeah, it, it was <laughs> the no, only thing. It's the only thing in my life I organize, I think is beer consumption. Yeah. Well, but that's just it. Like uh, when my wife and I are going on a cruise here uh, starting Sunday right. and the cruise ship has a, uh, it's not the one with the brewery on board, but it has a brew house They call, or they call it, yeah, they call it a brew house or I can't wow. remember. Um, but they have uh, 55 different bottled beers and 20 different draft on tap. So I am, uh, my untapped profile is probably going to, um, have a pretty wild ride yep. uh, uh, for 10 days uh, the rest later this month. Add a few in there. There can't be too many industries like this. Um, uh, brand loyalty, um, it, it, it doesn't figure into it. I mean, um, you are, uh, you, well, you just said you're the master brewer by <laughs> head brewer by default, but you, you, you love to try other breweries concoctions and yes. uh, thinking what and, and and so there can't be many industries like that i think where people would openly go to other people's and drink their stuff as well i can imagine maybe um probably chefs might do it etc but you can't Ooh. imagine too many places where, you, where they would quite happily take in as many of the um, not competitors but you know what i mean same people in the industry and spend money and promote those places as well it's uh, but it's through your through everyone's mutual love of the 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 uh, the amber liquid. Uh, it's yeah. Really nice. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, I live a seven minute walk to the village tap house here off Larry Utech in Bedford, and I love going there. And like you know, I remember one time um, I made a social media post that I was there, and uh, I tagged Tanner Brewing in it because I was the first beer I had was one of theirs. They liked it right away, so I looked at what else was on the wall of theirs and had them all. 
you know, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, like, why wouldn't you um, do that? Because little places like that, like, uh, as I mentioned before the show, the craft brewing industry itself in Nova Scotia needs that combined education of the public about better beer. Um, and by, we can only do that by getting them to try different beers. Yeah. Um, now, as I mentioned to you guys before, I, I, I'm from BC originally, and so I watched their craft beer start in the 90s. And so I've watched that industry grow because I've lived back and forth in BC a number of times over the years. So to see where Nova Scotia brewery craft beer industry itself is and where it's going, I see the similar path. I personally am saying it's about 15 years behind, but that is an education of the public um, to, to get the public interested in trying more craft beer. We're trying. I mean, this is kind of the whole point, trying. part of the purpose of this whole thing. So first, yeah. first up, and sadly, I, I mean, uh, the only sad thing is we have had this one before, but we have recommended this one before. The Old yeah. Biddies, oh, yeah. the Old Biddies, Patrick O'Neill's Irish Red, which we have had, and I still call this my favorite uh, Irish Red, Red Ale of the craft breweries in the province. Now, this immediately, when cracking this, this immediately... Uh, brings up the elephant in the room which is we are not talking about old biddy's brewery anymore we are talking about great roads brewery as per the icon on your shirt we have talked to uh keith the brewer of old biddy's brewery previously i think i think we talked to him last year and then <clears throat> reached out again are you you talked to me again and so you are the new uh well like you said only brewer right brew now guy. i go with brew guy Old Biddies changed hands, uh, sold all the recipes. All the recipes went with, thankfully, to Great Roads Brewing. And now you are the brewer, the brew guy for Great Roads Brewing. And that's where we sit. But with uh, a lot of these, uh, the previous ones, the previous recipes, Old Biddies, the, uh, the Irish Red, Patrick O'Neill's Irish Red being one of them. So they stay on as, and I don't want to call them legacy beers, I guess. Like, well, there will you will see a label change in approximately... 250 cans um <laughs> i say that because i packaged uh, the latest batch uh recently and put new labels on them we saw your canning facility while we were there the other day mate yeah that's the first that... time i've seen uh actually you, you very graciously took us around your uh, your establishment there and i've not even though i've been into a number of the craft breweries uh in in the in the province, Ross has been into significantly more than I have. I've never been invited to come go walk around the back and see uh, some of the magic taking place behind. Um, and you are canning them right in your uh, establishment, um, which is quite different from what Ross. I don't know if you mean if I haven't seen the, the last time the, all the canning operations at many of the places. Uh... Sea level used to have theirs. Mm -hmm. They 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 had theirs right there in the shop, which I enjoyed seeing. But I don't know if if you mean I've seen a lot more canning operations or the 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 bowels in behind. I was actually referring specifically to the premises itself. Uh, you were surprised, of course, when I said, "Oh, I'm in the Great Roads Roads Plate uh, in in Sackville," uh, and you were like, "It looks nothing like where I went a little while ago." And of course, this was highlighted. Of course, this is during. Uh, 
it was very much at the beginning of the pandemic, was it not? Yeah, I, I started doing a lot yeah. of my explorations early on, and uh, that was yeah. old biddies. And it was, I'm not sure if it was a new yeah. location, and you were only using, or they were only using part of it. So, yeah, so I can completely answer all that. Um, so, what the layout we have now that you guys saw on the weekend, that was kind of the plan A when Keith and Chris first started. Um, but then due to the pandemic and all the social distancing and all your space requirements, um, they couldn't have tables in the space they had. So they took over another section of the strip mall at the, you know, basically door number four, whereas right now the brewery's one, two, and three. Oh, okay. Uh, one, the two is the main door you guys came in. Then there's one for the office, uh, which has storage in behind it. Then you have the other one that's now vacant uh, was our tap room before. I, I used to say I, I love the beer, but I hated the location because it felt like an old pizza joint and <laughs> nothing made me happier into walking in. And I took the picture. This is the picture that I took the other day in behind me uh, and, the, and the, the taps over there and all the uh, uh, what kegs, kilns, Fermenters, yeah. that, okay, there's proper words for everything that I don't know, but I just, oh, so much happier to walk in there. It reminded me of uh, a, a much more comfortable and uh, in, inviting type of thing so I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad that the brewery got through that little tiny hiccup of location location and location well not so much location but more just uh what uh, aesthetic Layout. yeah yeah um decor I think that's the one that they sometimes give in restaurant reviews regardless um this the delightful color of the Patrick O'Neill's Irish red a 5.0 Irish red ale it's got um and oh that was it the description on the can Patrick is nothing fancy, a simple, balanced Irish red. And it, it is. This is, it's the best one, but it's, I think, the, the benchmark that I would judge all other Irish reds to say, it needs to be more like this. So uh, that's one comment that we get a lot about, the balance of the beers. Now, I'm going to throw as many props towards Keith Forbes as I can. Um, he is an evil, mad scientist genius when it comes to recipes. Um you know, he uh, he does make and design really nice beers. And I've seen him, you know, sit down with me or, and someone else and come up with a plan of what we would like for a beer. And then he literally puts it together and it comes out a really good beer. <laughs> That's outstanding. I, I, I have always enjoyed um, what I get. At, at Old Biddy's, and that was, <clears throat> we mentioned this, was the um, the, the rebranding over to Great Roads Brewing, and I'm going to have to start to get used to seeing the, the icon for it, because for a while, if if I saw the Old Biddy's, the little cartoon lady with a big frowny face on her, I said, ooh, I know that one's going to be good, and I would always pick it up and, tr and try to grab it, so I have to just deprogram myself. I, it was, uh, yeah, I was, I was programmed to know that it was going to be good when I saw that. We were massively surprised when, when we did these. When, can you can you remind me? Have you got a, a history of when that? Well, of course you do have on your yes. spreadsheet. But how long ago was it that we looked at the, these Irish Reds, Ross? Would it be within the last year? The the first time what we tried the the old biddy's Irish Red. Yeah, because I, I'll oh. say to I'll say to Rob now that, and we said at the time, I'm I'm not massively an, an a red beer fan to be honest. I find that that they're listen. If it were a straight choice between walking into a pub and uh, and having uh, a Keith's or a, or a, or a local red, I would go for the red. And that's I'm not I'm not I don't want to dump all over Keith's by the way. That's a horrible thing to say. What I'm saying is, um, 
um, I would I would go with something a little bit more multi. And this is the balance that I get from uh, from this. <laughs> Lager stuff. Um, every time, but uh, I've never been particularly um, excited about red beers. I don't find them that. You you said that when we first when I brought this, out the red. This was is exactly the opposite because when we had it, we said, "Wow, this is full of flavor. Mm. It's got." Uh, it, uh, did you find out when it was, Ross? September twenty twenty one. It's two. It's oh yeah, uh, just, just two and a bit. My God, two years ago. It wow. was early. It was early. Okay, that's crazy. But I, I yeah. felt like that was a yeah. pivotal moment because all of a sudden you said, "Wait a minute, should I be drinking red beers now?" Yeah, uh, it's not, it's, it hasn't, I've not had an epiphany with Reds, by the way, but l like you said, this seemed to be the benchmark by, by which Reds, that, certainly within the province that we had tried, it was, it's so full of bite and flavor and it's maltier than, than, than Reds, than, than most of them, which is obviously right in our ballcourt because we love, we love the maltier um, um, than, than, than the hoppier beers for sure. Mm. And it's smooth. Smooth. Yes, yes. Um, what <clears throat> did you pull yours out of the fridge? Are, are you a devotee of? I know you're not, Rob. You're not big into the ice cold. We talked about that the other day. <laughs> the old cold is not a flavour, uh, <laughs> and people tend to have their beers way too cold. Mine was popped into the fridge just for I don't know ten minutes, just to cool them down a tiny little bit. Other than that, they're. The um, I I grabbed the Eastern cooler at work and brought them home with me today, and so. They they came out out of the fridge a couple hours ago. I don't think might have touched the fridge since I bought them. Oh no, wait, these were ones that um, that we got from you just the other day, right? Yeah, not not since we were we were in the other, the other day, but they, yeah, they they sat upstairs and I kept thinking, I wonder if I should refrigerate those, but uh, nope, nope, I'm getting I'm I'm going full flavor today. <laughs> this is this is my plan. Yeah, because that's What's actually fun? an interesting point you brought up. Um, is that uh, flavors and even bad flavors get enhanced when the beer is warm so a cold beer can also hide a bad beer mm. oh interesting mm. so keith and i uh about a year or so ago um went to a off flavors testing um where they actually put in drops into beer that would mimic the taste of certain beers gone wrong and mm. uh um, and and we drank some really ugly tasting beers. God. <laughs> well, for, okay, just to punish yourself, was, was there there must have been some sort of educational purpose for yeah. doing this? So it was put on by Jeremy Slonwhite. He's uh, a local BJCP uh, guy, um, and uh, he had arranged for the little vials of the additive to come up, and uh, so he. So we actually went through each one and it was like, okay, this is what happens if it's over oxygenated or um, doesn't have a proper yeast dump or if this one has, you know, bad hops or there was, you know, mold in the malts or different things like that. And it would, it would describe the taste and you would try to pick it up kind of thing. Um, some of them were like baby vomit and, uh, you know, other, um, you know, so uh, like... Uh, it was quite entertaining. Um, <laughs> oh my god! So, are you saying that by putting them then, or serving them at colder temperatures, you can mask some of these crappier flavors? Off, yeah, that's what we discovered. Uh, is that it got 
more wild, um, the, the, the bad taste got worse as it got warm. Interesting. I mean, I've, I've kind of experimented with that once or twice myself because I've, I've been places and, uh, even having a cold beer out the fridge, someone says, Oh, would you, would you like a, do you want a Molson Canadian? I said, well, if it's all you got, give it to me quick and I'll drink it in like nine seconds before it warms up. And that, that's, that's fine. I'll, I'll deal with it. Or, but for some reason, someone always hands me a warm Corona and I don't understand why it's like, it's not an ice cold Corona. And I think, oh, I'm just, I'm not going to enjoy this, but I've gone to places like, like, like a tap room and, and they will have everything is on tap. And I say, Ooh, I'll try that one. It, it's, it calls itself a spicy brown ale. I think, oh, that sounds really, really good. And they pour it for me. And the, the, the outside of the glass is frosting up. It's poured so cold. And I think, oh, yeah. and it and it just tastes like ice water. It, it's, it's like a frosty cold. There's no flavor to it. So I literally, I hold it in my hands and I walk around and I just socialize. And I, I have spent full hour and a half waiting for my beer to warm up so that I can taste it. Yeah, well, I've I've actually entered because of that education. I've sort of introduced that into my quality control, um, where when I'm before we package, um, I'll pull half a pint off the fermenter out of the uh, takeout port, um, and I'll just set it on a table and leave it. Um, then what I will do is a little while later, um, after it's had a chance to warm up, I will pour pour off another half pint and then compare the two warm versus cold to see what differences i can see okay that's a really good idea well uh, you know what that's what we learned off that right and you know um so if there is something off about it i would know about it uh, before we package it to give me a chance to potentially do something about it the reason well not the reason but the the best part of inviting uh, the brewers on so yourself from from great roads brewing is the first question is, which beers would you like to talk about? And uh, <laughs> we've skipped a little past just the fact that, I mean, we both love the Patrick O'Neill Irish Red, and I'm sorry to say that I have already finished it. It's so good. I love it that much. I'm, I'm just going slow. Uh, <laughs> but uh, um, but actually, before you get too, too far, um, you know, I want to talk a bit about Keith's naming uh, convention and the comedy value of uh of this so do you understand where the name came from i do yeah from the the canada heritage minute yes and that's why if uh if you look if you think back we actually had a molly johnson dry irish stout i think he mentioned that too yeah and then we had the conversation about katrine royale yeah and who who said she needed to keep her proud irish name and then we yeah we've been down the rabbit hole at least once ian is looking with a blank look on his face because he didn't grow up in canada watching these wonderful canada heritage minutes well you'll have to google it and send him a link in in between episodes of the raccoons and four on the floor while you're trying to catch up to all your television and watching the Canada Heritage Minutes. I remember, I think the best part was as as a young person, as an 11-year-old kid watching it, and whenever one would come on, you'd get a little mad. Like, ah, oh, this again. But looking back, there is nothing but fondness for just about every Canadian who went through watching these commercials. Uh, just one second, because I mean, I, I only know what you're talking about, the, the the heritage moments, because there's one that you always used to do is the little kid saying, oh, yeah, what do you say? 
I don't know, just Winnie the Pooh. That's what she always used to say to me. <laughs> and it made me so many years. I, I, I was scratching my head thinking, what is she talking about? But it's something that she remembers watching. I, I can watch that one in my head just by saying yeah, those words. Me too, yeah. We've, we we <laughs> just know them. Yeah. Someone's going to need to do a Canada Heritage Mr. Minute. Robin, yeah. A part of our heritage is knowing all of the Canada Heritage Minutes. Like a, <laughs> a group of people sitting around in a circle just saying to each other thing, things like, oh, but I need these baskets back. And just, I think that would be outstanding. I need to watch that Canada Heritage Minute of people going back to their youth and thinking, oh, I know all of these ones. I know them so much. Ship on fire. Stop train. They're all there. Did these meet some of you? Yeah. yeah, all of them. Are they all 80s? Were they the majority of them? Were they 80s or 70s or 80s or something like that? I guess I'm, I'm going to say mid to late 80s, 80s up to now. Okay. They're still making some. Oh, are they really? They're still making okay. them. I haven't watched wow, one in a while. Wow, I've got some binge watching ahead of me this weekend. They're a, they're a Canada Heritage Minute. You have like maybe an hour and a half to catch up on these <laughs> ones. I think you'll do it. But the, the reason that I felt bad that I'd uh, I'd already finished my Patrick O'Neill is because, <laughs> Rob, the question is, why did, uh, did you want us to have the Patrick O'Neill today? Well, because it's one of my favorite beers. <laughs> and, uh, um, it's, it's actually one of the ones... Uh, that I think is a good introduction for a lot of people into craft beer because mm. um, it does introduce them to the malts. And that's a big part of craft beer is the malt selection because um, that is, you know, I, you know, the crazy mad scientist, Keith, you know, like it's you're just like a chef with a recipe. Your malt mix, a dash of this is a bit like a witch's potion mm. as you're putting it all together. Um, and, you know, so as... Uh, the Patrick O'Neill's Irish Red is a very good introduction to craft beer for anyone. If you like Rickard's Red, you're going to love this. You know, pure and simple. It's a it's a good, all well-rounded beer. Ian that hates this story, be... but Rickard's Red uh, was no, my introduction to flavor. I, I think this is actually, this is a poison chalice to, to begin your... Um, uh, your foray into craft ales, especially reds, because if you go in drinking this one as your first foray into in, into craft ales, and you start with this one, you're going to think, "Oh, I've got to try all the other reds out there." But unfortunately, the bar is pretty damn high with this one. So, <laughs> as a result, well, you'll go in very high, and it's very difficult to. Well, there's there's the answer. There is you ask them what their uh, goal for craft brewing is. Hey, do, are you going to drink lots of craft beer? Here, try one of these reds. Are you going to brew craft beer? Here you go. Here's the Patrick O'Neill. This is what you need to make. Yeah. Um, so the NSLC category manager gave us a really interesting stat today. Um, you know, you know how. Uh, today's world is about data collection and, and control. Yeah. And uh, so they use air miles cards. Oh, Ian ran away. We lost him. Um, He'll be back. Yeah. But uh, they use air miles cards as the data point to track people's repeat purchases. And in the craft beer section segment, the average is 25% of, of the craft beer sales are people buying the same beer again. 
only 25%. So that means the craft beer drinkers are changing up their selections. Okay. Or are they just exploratory? That's that's the big thing. Yeah, every people in the craft beer section, people are moving around. So if only 25% are repeat repeat offenders of buying someone's beer over and over again. Mm. Like that was just a really interesting stat he gave us today cuz I would have expected it. You know, like, because you think of all your Budweiser and Coors drinkers, they are hardcore, they won't touch anything else. Yeah. Whereas craft beer drinkers are more than willing to play the field and try the different beers. And even after we found favorites, you know, we we still try, all right, we got to try, well, I mean, I have put it on myself to try it all. Uh, so I, I can't speak for someone who's a, a I don't want to say a normal beer a, a beer a craft beer enthusiast who does not want to try to tr- to drink everything on their own podcast. There must be a category for that somewhere. Uh, and but I'm always looking for something that will come close to to this one. To, to and so what a, what a better way what that's like the best way to keep track of which ones you've tried is you put it online. <laughs> that's it's the only way I could be. <laughs> I said, I'd, I thought about making a list because I couldn't remember what ones I've tried before, but then I decided, no, nah, no, nah, might as well just do a live show. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's much easier to keep track. The... the problem is, Ross, the problem is they're, they're both reds. There are two reds here. Ah. Now, uh, because the bar is set so high with this, uh, we're going to another red. Um, I don't know whether you're going next door or not. It doesn't matter. But my, but my question to Rob straight away is, Irish red versus red IPA. What what makes this an Irish red? Actually, that's the fun part is I'm really not sure. My okay. mad science skills when it comes to that specifics, um, I don't have them. Uh, and so with, uh, you know, Keith being the mad scientist, mm. I, there, I know there's a lot I still need to learn. Um, I was sort of the casual intern and then who got thrust into the only brewer job so i openly admit um and i even told the 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 new owner i said if you find a more experienced brewer i'm happy to go back down to part-time um (laughs) you know a because being being retired after 31 years in the air force um i'm only looking for a vacation fund and motorcycle parts so you know working working full-time wasn't my uh idea um mm. and uh so you know basically keith taught me how to make the recipes well and i've kind of been with keith i learned how to tweak the recipes and he's talked he's taught me a few little tricks about do this you know there's just little smidge things and it's kind of neat now that i kind of have all the leeway myself to play but i don't really want to get too far from his his standard yeah. because you know, he makes he made good beers, and I just don't You're want right. to stop that. What was that, Ross, that you read about? Uh, that there was something, if I remember rightly, that said that all reds are Irish reds. Did we, you remember something like that? We thought we found that at one point where a, a red ale, because we, we were buying just red ales, and then we noticed that a lot of them were Irish reds. We found one that called itself an American red, and it's the only one because we we read something online that said that if it's a red ale, then usually it's an Irish red ale, and there don't seem to be another type. 
of a red ale that isn't an Irish mm. red. Now, this one, this next one, the uh, the Disco Inferno, cue waka chicka waka chicka noises, but is a red IPA. Mm-hmm. So, interesting. It is not an Irish red. It is just a different style of IPA, and we've had lots of different styles of IPAs. We've we've had the the, the black IPA, the New England IPA, the hazy IPA, the juicy yeah. IPA, which is apparently both two different things. But the the red yeah. IPA seems to be, and the, it's the first sentence, is where malts meet hops. Yeah, so this one, it's kind of like a bit of the, it's a bit of a mix of the malt blends sort of between a, you know, our, our IPAs um, with some of the red. So it's a bit of a mixed recipe mm. uh, in the malts. And then your hop build is way different than the Irish red, and it's more alike to a IPA. Um, you know, and definitely the the hop component is a lot larger. Uh, the, mm. Yeah, the IBUs is way higher. The yeah. A, yeah. It goes from a 28 to a 43, and the ABV pops up to a 6.5. But and I'm curious because... When when you say a malt, well, it, it says if it if malts meet hops. When I first started trying, and I've tried a couple of them, a black IPA that comes through as a very very malty IPA. It's it's got elements of both, and so I'm wondering if this is maybe nearly to a black IPA, but not fully. I'd have to actually check our our black IPA recipe. I know we have one. Oh. I'd have to actually compare them. Yum. Um, Ooh. now, you know, and caramel this is... and chocolate, um, to finish with, it says on the, on, on the can. Oh, right. I forgot to keep That's reading. Exciting. The, um, cause it's not normally, um, flavors you associate with IPAs for sure. But it's, uh, it's in the malts that, uh, we get that sweetness. The floral and the citrusy notes, of course, is all over IPAs usually. So like they were saying there, malt meeting hops. Mm. This could be a match made in heaven. Uh, and we haven't had this one, Ross. The Irish red we are familiar with and love it. This is quite exciting, is it not? And the can, by the way, is really cool. <laughs> the disco inferno the, thing the going disc, on here. The disco ball the on miracle. fire. Is, yeah, is this a newer, uh, I don't want to say a newer recipe, but maybe one year? No, this is uh, one of one of the original uh, launch recipes that uh, they had at the beginning. Damn it! Why didn't I pick up a can of this? this is, maybe I think that was back when I was still avoiding things that said IPA on them, and I was I was curious mm. about everything else. And it's taken us a while, well, taken me a while for sure, where I finally just broke down and said, "Listen, there's I, I I can't buy anything else at the LC right now. Everything that we have not tried is an IPA. We need to start knocking these out." Yeah, that IPAs is... are the largest category in the craft beer section. And by like, there's more IPAs than everything else combined. I don't want to blame Alexander Keith's, but I kind of blame Alexander Keith's because it says India Pale Ale on their can. So ever and and I feel like there was a bit of a oh try try ours if 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 you like if you like IPAs isn't do you like IPAs and I said, well wait a minute I like India Pale Ale and that's what that stands for so yes I must like IPAs boom big seller, 
and it equates, and that the taste of an over-hopped craft IPA tastes exactly like an Alexander Keats that has been sitting in the fridge for nine months too long. (coughs) It looks like a classic, if I may say so. I grew up drinking bitters uh, in my teens, Rob, uh, and I've been drinking bitter um, my entire life when every time I'm in the UK. Ale, darker bitters. This looks like someone's just poured me um, an English bitter uh, straight from the straight from the, the hand pull it, in my local. It looks like it's it got an accent. Done... <laughs> 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 and, and if I'm... Like if you pour it, it just says, Hello, governor. But, um, but the ESB by Propeller which is one of my go-tos. You were talking earlier on about there about having some kind of brand loyalty. Ross, you still... I mean, I I certainly... I, I have brand f- favorites, yeah. This look and feel of it. Mm. I, and I haven't even tasted it yet. I actually went to the Propeller Tap Room on Bedford Highway last... Sunday? Friday. Friday I went down there. And... Uh, tried a few of their brews I haven't had in a while or ever. Not sure if you're frozen or lost in thought. I am lost in thought. <clears throat> that there's none of that there's none of that IPA um uh overly hopped single hopped um citrusy smash that I associate with, with IPAs. It's Barbo, excuse me. It's oh, I'm getting it there. I'm getting some floral notes there, as just as it might not be very nice to say, but just as I belched, I got, <laughs> I got some of it. That's, that's not the way to appreciate it. Write that but on the I can. Tastes I, just I, as good on the way back up. <laughs> but it's subtle, subtle floral. Uh, Rebecca, please. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> she tried. Oh, you're trying to offer that up. I'm. I'm not getting the finish of caramel and chocolate, and I'm not sure why. It, it almost feels like uh, you, you get the floral, and it's that little bit of hop. It, it's a very, it's a delicious, what, what I would call a tolerable IPA up front, which just probably means that it's almost weak to IPA favorers, or if someone's looking for a really... Yeah, it, yeah I wouldn't, you know, the big hardcore IPA guys, I wouldn't um, put this to them. Um, cause they want, you know, I'd be using the eighties. Yeah. Um, and they want, they, they want to have their spine shiver. Um, but you know, when you want a nice balanced beer that you can have one or two and mm-hmm. enjoy it, um, you gotta have that balance. And I, I, and I feel like that, that is the balance that I'm getting. And I'm getting a little bit of the, 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 the floral and the citrus at the, at the beginning. But for some reason, I think my, my confused face was, I, I actually tasted the gap where, the chocolate and the caramel should be. And I went, huh, I'm the sweetness. There's, mm. there feels like there's something missing here because I feel like I'm not quite getting it at the tail end where I was. There expecting might be it. A, a slight carameliness, uh, late, but I'm, but the chocolate, I'm kind of missing it too. You a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. But, but, uh, if someone were to hand me this and say, Oh, here, have an IPA, and of course, my my gut reaction would be to say, I'm probably not going to enjoy this very much. I would I get excited as soon as it poured out in yeah. this color. 
yeah. and say, oh, ho, 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 is, this does not look like grapefruit juice. We're in for a good time. Because it is more balanced and it's, there's more hoppiness to it. But I do get that latent, um, it's, 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 it does have its floral hoppiness there in the, on the tongue, but I don't get the chocolatiness that I was it, kind of excited about. I was too, yeah. Uh, well, the smell like, also kind of, yeah, the smell kind of is what gets you the sweetness where you start thinking uh, you're getting excited mm, about the chocolate. Yeah, because yeah, it does have a sweeter smell. Yeah, it, it and too. the caramel is some, definitely something there. I think if it wasn't written on the can, I would not say it. Where, That's fair. And we find we find in, in reading sometimes we we say okay. And we read it, and then we say, "All right, there. Put put your brain into absolutely lock in. Find this flavor. Just focus very, very hard on what you're getting. And on every mouthful, you try a two mouthful. You try one little sip. You try a big mouthful. You're like, yeah, I think I can just barely get it in there if I really, really, really try." When you go uh, yourself, Rob, when you go to sample other places, and you might have a flight. Uh, you were at Propellers again recently, you say. Do you, uh, I, uh, in the past, Ross and I were devotees of the couple of sips of water between different brews to try to cleanse our palate. But we've had a couple of guys say, it's absolute nonsense. Just just go ahead and drink the next one. And then you get like that full difference of flavors. Um, and, and they're more, they're more, um, they're more apparent to you if you don't drink water in between. Yeah, um, I don't drink water in between, um, and I normally don't do flights. I usually just pick a pint and then uh, pick another pint. Okay. <laughs> I, I I have been tricked by flights before, so uh -huh. I, can, I can see where that makes sense. Because if you have a little tiny split, oh, try this, and, and unless it's an over-the-top, you know, 80 IBU juicy grapefruit IPA, which you're definitely going to get a taste. Now, I, I have been... Tr at, not on purpose, but I, I've tricked my own taste buds where my taste buds say, this is, do it, oh, try this in this tiny little sample. I'll have a pint of that. And you get it. And after the first two mouthfuls, you think, oh, that's not what, I, whoa, no, that's, that's not what I was, uh, not what I was tasting in a tiny little four ounce glass. Yeah. Um, so I think the flights are good for people, you know, like a lot of times when you get for us, when we get someone come in, they're new to craft beer. When you ask them what they drink, and they'll say Keith or Coors Light or something like that, um, I will usually try to direct them towards a flight because that way, if they don't really like one of them, you know, they won't feel bad. Mm. I don't want to sell, you know, unless unless they're okay saying, yeah, I'll take a pint. I'm pretty sure I won't mind it. Um, but if someone comes in and they're really just not feeling the vibe of craft beer, you say, well try a flight because then it's only four ounces of each. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I have never been sadder than the, and this has happened many times being at a establishment and leave when I go to leave and there's, uh, some people have, uh, have left their, their place behind. There's a, you know, paid their bill, gone out the door and there have been, three quarter full glasses and an entire flight for like three, three guests or so. And I look at it and I think, ah, one, what a waste of beer Two, How could you have a sip of a four ounce glass and then say, Nope, not for me. I feel like you need to 
if if you're if you're willing to commit enough to get a flight of beers, I feel like you owe it to try the full small amount in the glass. I, I don't understand this giving up immediately. Yeah. Well, we've had some people come in and I've sat with them um, and we've put together like a couple uh, sample flights uh, and worked through them. And some people, um, like I'll take, for example, our orange American wheat. It has coriander in it. Some mm-hmm. people, coriander tastes like dish soap. And that's just the way, so that beer to them tastes like dish soap. There's there's just nothing people get out of it, you know. There's a few spices and herbs that do that. Yeah. Genetically, to and through no fault of anyone, they're just, you, you, you are just programmed, wired, something mm-hmm. differently. Yeah. It's in your DNA. Your body reacts to coriander a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A bit like me with celery. You don't if like you celery? put a celery beer on, Rob, I would struggle, I have to say. Um, there so are would I, flavors. but that's a different story. It's a celery beer, celery like beer. Uh, the pine sole beer that uh, Ross and I tried. Neither of us <laughs> were big fans of that. It, it was probably the only, the only beer that we've tried that I would label as undrinkable. Most everything, we could almost always finish the can, the pint, the something, but there was one time where we said, okay, I get it. It was a novelty Christmas thing, but whew. It, but uh, the, some of the sours, of course, and I understand that you're not exactly a, a huge fan of the sours either, Rob, when we met the other day. Um, no, I'm, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm also one of those guys who, uh, uh, again, so we want some legacy commercials uh, for fun. Um <laughs> The uh, Men of the Squared Table was like a Bud Light commercial, like back one of the Super Bowls in the 90s. Okay. And uh, um, they had the big book of rules and the men, of the men of the Table would decide on some of the rules. And one of the rules was don't fruit the beer. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now- so if you ever stuck on Google again, uh, yeah, it's like Men of the Squared Table. Uh, can't remember the specific details, but you know, WWF wrestlers and, um, you know, the, the, the popularity of Rattlers has decreased and Ian brings up the NSLC guy mentioned that today, that, that is, is dropping as a, as a, you know, their, their stats are dropping, but sours are are firing off and ian we talk about this because we had a couple of rattlers a few years ago like the last of the rattlers i feel like for the craft ones and you mentioned shandies and i think uh, there was one boxing rock had a thing and they just called it the shandy or something like that and that was your it was basically lager with it was lager and lime almost but the i can the skyrocketing sour is so odd that surprises me because um i can understand seasonally uh the popularity of radler's stroke shandies decreasing because it is uh, m- more of a summery um or a warmer weather drink uh, because it's a little more it um it's less uh malty it's less um it's 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 less heavy and it's a lighter uh, option and i said to ross rob uh, that i would do this uh, quite frequently in the warmer months um <laughs> We do get warmer months in the UK, believe it or not. But uh, in the warmer months, what I might do is um, just put a tiny little bit of Sprite or 7-Up into the top of a beer 
just you know a couple of fingers full just to give it just a slightly sweeter um lighter feel to drinking it i could drink stout till the cows come home don't get me wrong but if it's a hot summer's day sometimes i like something a little lighter now i can understand it if seasonally the the radler's sales drop off but you're saying as a, a as a complete style of beer um it's losing its popularity over time is that what you're telling well me? that's uh, we were discussing uh, sales results and how categories are going and uh he said rattlers were dropping um now maybe that's a seasonal thing but you know if it was a seasonal thing i think he would have said something because we've all seen seltzers drop off um so we've took a bunch of ours off tap um we've only got one left on right now um just for a few diehard uh regulars but uh <laughs> Could I counter then that maybe the Radler sales have suffered as a result directly of the increased popularity of sours for people that might want something a little more fruity and le and a little sweet? Well, I that, guess, that, that was going to be my assumption. Yeah. Also based on me that, not knowing anything. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's a great observation. And the other the other side of it is uh, something my daughter told me when I brought her brought her in is she actually said she doesn't like beer but she actually liked the sour because it didn't taste like beer um yeah that's what my wife says you know yeah now the sours are a nightmare to brew um but uh but i know i have to bring ours back no matter how much i don't like it the the, um, the nutcase purists will tell you that sours were one of the first beer recipes in existence uh, it, yes it all depends every time we look up a beer it always says this is one of the first beers made by the monks and i'm like okay which is it it is is, is it the browns is it the really malty browns or is it the really dirty uh, the the darker ones is it the ones that were basically based on just make a loaf of bread and turn it into a liquid or was it so there's the stouts the browns or the sours they're all kind of fighting for we were the first one on the block we occasionally read stuff on the internet, and it's all over the place. Yeah. Well, no, no, now you got me thinking I've got some Googling I want to do because I've got some thoughts on when you got, talk about the sours because the pH level goes down. Um, I'm wondering, does that make them less likely to or it go up? I can't remember. Right, they, it's been so long. God, they, they taste like it's pretty damn high. They, it, It's... It's an uncomfortable drink. The really, really sour ones. I have my favorites, but much like an IPA, my favorites in the sour category yeah. are what people were considered. Oh, that's barely a sour at all. That's just juice flavored yeah. lager. But when we, but when you make it more acidic, I'm wondering. You know, if you think back to like again the purists and the people arguing what was first, by making it more acidic, does that make it less likely to go bad? You know, yeah. on for voyages and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Rebecca, you were saying, uh, what, does the panel take questions from the audience? Uh, do you have a question? Yes. Yes. Does the panel take questions? Yes, the panel. I think the panel takes questions. Gentlemen? Of course. Rebecca? I mean, yeah, we're, we're waiting on them coming up in the chat channel, but there's no one there, so please do. Come and ask you a question. Does, uh, does Old Biddy's make a porter? Does Old uh, stroke Great Roads Brewing make a porter? Yes. Yeah, the tall, dark, and handsome. Tall, I, dark, I drink and it. handsome. We had it only. Yes. You guys have had that. And uh, and and Rob was saying that uh, thankfully, 
Uh, you have a plan, certainly a, a business plan, is it not, to keep uh, two good dark beers going year round, whereas some of them, of course, say, no, 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 that's just a seasonal drink. We only, <laughs> for us multi uh, darker beer fans, we're like, oh, but you no, have promised Tall Dark and Handsome, uh, it will remain a staple, and we hope to rotate another uh, dark tap. Isn't that good to hear? When when we were at the tab room, uh, Ian and uh, Ian's son Tristan actually joined us, and you both had uh, Tristan definitely had a flight. I think Ian, you had a flight as well. And he asked me what I wanted, and I said I could try a flight of some things I didn't want, but I went no, no, I want a pint of the tall, dark, and handsome. It was the first thing I went for when I was there. So hopefully, if that does not give you my my endorsement for for what I wanted to have when I when I got there, that that should. But Especially the, when you said Irish Red was your favorite. Yeah. <laughs> but I was in the mood for a dark beer because it, it's been a long, cold, lonely winter and no one's no one's feed me enough dark beer recently. But the the other side of that is uh, that got me excited because you mentioned uh, that that you're going to have the tall dark, the, the staple dark and then a rotating dark. And then I think you actually said the words like an Irish stout or something. And my eyes, um, whoosh, I, <laughs> I was ignited with, that would with be enthusiasm. one of the other orphans. Uh, you you just referred uh, Tristan was there, my son, and uh, he's a real cider man. He loves his ciders, is my boy. Probably even more so than beers. He's not massively into beer, but w if it's his preference, when he goes into pubs, he likes to go for a couple of pints of cider. There was a cider in your brew house, Rob. Um, <laughs> it's it was it just a guest? It was Lake City, yeah, it was wasn't it? Guest tap. Um, so we get, you know. We get a lot of people coming in, and when we were just a tap room where we just served beer, um, we could only serve what we made. Ah. With the change of ownership and the change of setup we have, we are now at an eating establishment. We have a restaurant as well. So we mm -hmm. actually have a second liquor license um, that allows us to bring in um, guest taps like that. So um, do... You know, I, I learned seltzers last year, um, and my boss is asking me to learn ciders this year. Mm. Um, so, but right now, because a lot of times, you know, people would come in and one person would go, well, I don't drink beer. Do you have wine? Do you have a cider? Um, so the quickest thing for us to be able to bring in when we got our, got our change to liquor license was getting in uh, a local cider. So we contacted Lake City Cider and said, hey, um, and uh, so we have one of their ciders on tap and people love it. Mm. I love that idea. I, um, first off, it's great that you are able to uh, stock other uh, brewers' uh, products, but I, I love even more uh, the idea that someone's going to come into a, a local craft brewing establishment and say, yeah, I don't really drink beer. Um, <laughs> Amazingly enough, we get that a lot. You, going into a winery and saying, well, I don't you, drink wine, do you have any beer? You could be dragged into a brewery kicking and screaming. You could just be a part of a of, of a crew or something like that, saying, yeah. oh, man, yeah, they all wanted to come here. What what have you got? And, uh, yeah, I, I much yeah. prefer, you know, I'm, a, I'm a chocolate milk guy myself. Uh, I'm not finding all mm. that much on the, on the internet. Apparently it's saying that maybe... 
Belgian lambic beers, and yeah, no, no one knows what 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 type of beer was the very first one. But the cider conversation the brought up beers, by the way, are very similar to this the kettle sours that we uh, that we understand to be some of the earliest uh, beers made uh, anywhere in the world. Massively hoppy and very citrusy, and uh, and they still sell them in the liquor stores. The Chimay's was a perfect example of them, and I've. I've had plenty of those in the past. What I'm learning here is that if beer was invented and first uh, created by Sumerians in Mesopotamia in 4000 BC, but hops... I don't remember that. Hops were not used as an ingredient until the Middle Ages. It must have been more... Because it's at barley beer, I think, was some of the original ones and definitely of a, of a higher malt category. So I, I don't see where these ancient sours are coming in from. But on the cider topic, it was asked, I I think I was about three weeks in of saying, oh, I'm going to try all these beers. And I'm already fielding questions from friends and relatives saying, oh, what? Are you going to drink the ciders? Are you going to try the ciders too? And I said, slow down. No. I'm going to drink the beers. When I run out of beers, yes, we'll talk about ciders. But not until then. But the the problem has been that sour sours gozes and vice uh, are all considered beers, so we have to try. And I try to keep an open mind, and we try them, and you know struggle through. I find some favorites, so that luckily I can. If someone says I really like a super sour, uh, what do you like? And I said, well, if you really like a super sour, try this one because I could barely finish it. But if someone says, hey, I have to drink sours for a sour competition, but I really don't like it, which one should I get? I'll say this one. This is the most tolerable sour that I could find. Go. Get as much of this as possible. Rob, I didn't notice while I was there. No, there was a wheat beer, but that was the orange wheat. Um, We have two wheat beers. We have two. Yeah, we have the orange American and a blueberry. Blueberry. Of course, I had it on on the flight, the blueberry wheat. That's right. Okay. You you talk about about you always ask me how I retain a memory for things that I've drank. I don't understand how you lose your memory for things you've drank so quickly. This was three uh, three days Saturday. ago. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're I, asking about things that you beer. did actually drink three days ago. The vice beers um, have that. As we said, they've got that bananary taste to them. It's oh, really the, weird how yeah. when you drink them, you're like, why does this taste of bananas? Bananas haven't been anywhere near that product, yet they have that, they, they're all, um, they all have that banana-ish, but I can't even say the word, banana-ish um, smell and flavor to them. And it's, how is that established? Is it just curious? <laughs> it's just it's a just, meeting. Of how, how does... Uh... You know, extra vanilla make you think creamsicle. I don't know. Mm. Anyway, uh, I like my beers. I, I love them, especially in the summertime. I would love a Rattler. I would love Rattlers to come back because, honestly, I would prefer a Rattler in the summer than a Sour in the summer. And even though the summer is about the only time that I can really tolerate a Sour, and it's got to be quite hot. And then I say, all right, fine, I'll try your Sour. And I think, yeah, okay, I sort of get it. But honestly... A, I'd rather have a beer, uh, a beer, and and B, I'd much prefer a Rattler over this. If you want to have a fruit flavored beer, even though, like you say, thou shalt not fruit the beer, 
I would always take a Rather. There's so much more taste. They're they're easier mm. to drink. The sour only reminds me of my childhood, where you would find you know hot pepper flavored candies, and you basically just you wanted to watch your friends suffer. So sour beer, much like the very you know the very strong uh, the huge IBU. IPAs, they feel like some sort of juvenile contest to watch your friends suffer. Yeah. I'm sure that's not why they were invented, unless subconsciously everyone just wants to watch their friends suffer. Well, there is a sport in that, so you got to admit that. <laughs> yes! It's why you towel know, snapping the, the, the is a thing. Some of the guy rules, right? You know, like, <laughs> oh, that tastes horrible. You want to try it? <laughs> my like, friend, My friend brings this up all the time. We have... Uh, a favorite cartoon and it's uh, a comic strip just one single comic strip of Sherman's Lagoon if you watch the one and it was uh, about the, uh, the the shark the turtle and all the creatures that lived under the water mm-hmm. but there was one and one of them they, they found and it was just this yellow small ball just this tiny little ball it looked like a marble and they picked it and they said oh look look at what I just found and they looked at us oh look at that oh gross oh smell it oh, it smells really gross here let me smell it again oh yeah gross that smells really gross and it just kept going back and forth with oh, oh try tasting it oh I tasted it oh yeah lick that yeah that tastes really really gross and the final panel was just above and beyond where one of them had had like chewed it up I think it was some old expired bubble gum at the bottom of the lake but it had blown he had blown this enormous bubble but out of his nose, out of his nostril it was. So the final the final word was, try blowing it out your nose. And the other one just says, gross! And that was all there was to the conversation. They just kept trying to, say, oh, do this, it's gross. And I, so, yes, it's it's that. Okay, but we haven't changed much. No. Let's be realistic. I'm a seven-year-old uh, boy. Sitting around a patio now. drinking with some of your friends, that same kind of thing will happen. And you'll, and you'll take the cap off your beer and hold it in your, in your fingers and snap it down your elbow and hit your friends in the face. Yes, you will absolutely do that. Uh, Rob, um, before we move on to the IPA, uh, you, you uh, the meeting you were the other day, you were seeing where, I guess, where the sort of industry is going slowly. It was saying that the uh, the Rattlers were falling off um, while, the, uh, while the Sours, uh, uh, Ross, you were saying, was sort of ramping up even further. Uh, where do we sit with IPA? Seeing as you said that they, they they account for twice as many as all the others put together, uh, we were led to believe by by one of your uh, colleagues in the in the industry there another another head brewer that the the peak had been reached by IPA some months ago and they were slowly beginning to go over the side, whereas the the more maltier beers were beginning to make a bit of a comeback. Uh, is that what uh, was? Um, and especially didn't say anything about that. Um, now from my purview, uh, behind the tanks that are behind Ross there, um, right now, I think where, what we're seeing is the IPA drinkers aren't switching off to other beers. It's just the brewers are now running out of things to do to make an IPA. Um, Hmm. You know, you start looking at like, how far can you stretch the boundaries of an IPA? And, you know, now you've got so many different variants of an IPA um, that the category itself is, you know, like, um, you know, the West Coast IPA, the East Coast IPA, the No Coast IPA, the this IPA, the that IPA, 
Um, and I even I even had a low calorie IPA down in the states uh, last year, and I was like, you know, okay, um, I'll try it because why the hell not? Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> I think, and a part of me wonders if some of the you know breweries will put out an IPA, experiment with it, um, and if it's not selling, they'll take it away, not rebrew it. And so I think what might be happening is we're kind of reached the boundaries of where IPAs have gone hmm. and it's not expanding anymore. And if the curiosity of buyers has a lot more options, you, you don't just stick to the IPA. So may, maybe that's the only reason for IPA falling sales is, well, we've tried that. What else you got? Yeah. Especially mm-hmm. when you say 25, 25% of, of craft beer purchases are repeat purchases. So you, you run out of IPAs eventually. Have you, yeah. have you tried, we have this conversation all the time where um, if you go with Propeller IPA, we've tried it and we went, ah. I had one on last Friday. Yep. Too much. And then Propeller's double IPA. We go, oh, uh, oh, well, this is okay. That's, that's more, that's more drinkable. I, I can. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's the interesting part is, um. You know, I think, I think the doubles uh, are going to be what's you know because now it's almost more in vogue to be the IPA purist. And so, I, in my uh, unprofessional opinion, a guy who just likes to drink beer, um, I think you're going to see that the, you know, the IPA purists are probably going to start moving more towards the double IPAs and getting that extra kick in the hops. So we then found also in the, and, and just kind of sticking to the, the propeller as a company, they, they then had on their triple IPA, the Leviathan coming in something that it was a 10 or 11 percent. I don't know if you've tried this one. It's it's worth a gander because we 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 just said, oh, come on, this is so ridiculous. It's gotten this ridiculous. We've got to try it. And we both tried it's a, a first gulp of an 11 percent triple IPA. And we both looked at each other and we, we immediately agreed, how, how on earth is this delicious? What, what is happening right now that this is the best of the three? Some, something was going on and it was, it was just impressively and so surprisingly uh, quaffable. It didn't. Mm, yeah, and that's that's. But that's also the scary part is is if you're gonna start drinking, uh, you know, ten percent beers as a, you know, as a as a sit on the deck with your feet up, um, yeah. don't plan on doing anything else for the rest yeah. of the afternoon. And we didn't. And it's it's. I I pointed out to everyone. I said you all. Everyone owes themselves a can of triple IPA. It's not a kind of thing of hey, we're having some friends over. I'm gonna drink three triple IPAs. No, you are not. You are not going to sit down and have multiple think, ones of. I think one of the big things about the when you start looking at the uh, you know logistics of the doubles and triples is they are as a profit margin item. Um, you have to understand, you know, you start looking at the grain build uh, on those beers um, and it's just a lot of material. So you're the a brewery's not making the same profit margin on those beers because the hops and grain um, just 
you know, you have to look at the, there still has to be a business model over making this beer. Um, I hadn't thought about the ingredients cost to, to something like that. So, so maybe it was just, you know, kind of a short passion project, but I, I feel it's, it's been in the stores for a lot longer than I was expecting it to for what, for what yeah. it is. Um, well, thing is like, there are some good ones out there and I'm not, you know, I'm not, not going to deny it. You know, I do enjoy them myself too. And the challenge becomes though, is are they a sustainable business model mm. or do you, you know, um, but for the purists, um, cause I know, I know a few guys I follow on YouTube, they are hardcore, you know, IPA purists. And if it doesn't have the right smell, they're like, Oh, it's not, I'm not sure if this is a real IPA. Um, okay. you know, it's, you know, little things like that. Like, and of course I laugh at them and I'll, I'm the guy in the chat going, you know, you, you, you pump us little pump, crumbs, you know? <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, um, well, I think my latest comment, uh, was along the lines of you don't get to call yourself a beer snob. Others have to call you a beer snob. <laughs> I've been called a beer snob, uh, in, a, in several of my, uh, uh, my group chats on certain uh, online. Yeah, it's, uh, okay. it's okay for other people to call you that, but you can't but declare the, yourself a beer snob. Someone well, is... this is the thing, Rob. I've gone on and agreed with them because they said, oh, you're a beer. I hate you people. You're beer snobs. And I've gone there and said, I don't mind accepting almost, almost um, um, proud Guilty. of the fact that I'm a beer snob because <laughs> there are certain things that aren't good enough for me. If it's a, if it's going to be shitty cold this week uh, beer which sells by the bucketful that I don't think is very good, yeah. I'm quite I'm quite proud of the fact that it's not good enough for me. It's so I will try something else. And that in its by by very virtue of the fact that I'm saying it's not good enough for me is being a snob about beer. And I am a self-confessed beer snob. It's one of the things that I try to make sure that we do because i know that we have ian and i have particular tastes but in order to and talk you're avoiding cracking the ipa i've noticed yeah I, i'm getting i'm getting there i want to crack i'm so <laughs> curious because like i said i have loved everything with the old biddies uh, old biddies classic is over there on the can of the seven day ipa i've been asking us to do this on our on our ipa nights for the longest time i'm so curious because i love everything i'm so curious as to what's going to happen i've been reading the label back and forth but the uh, what keeps happening is I I try to make sure that even as we, we always say we're, we're, we like a, a multi-year beer, you got to know this about us. We like a multi-year beer. We don't like a hoppier beer. But when we drink something we don't like, we'll tell you why we don't like it and we'll tell you who probably would. Yeah. Well, that's and just it. That's it, the fun of it, right? It Because... You, you could have a beer show, and I've watched uh, the occasional person on Insta Instagram, you know, they have their, Instagram, their live things, and they drink it, and they drink a thing, and says, oh, I don't like this at all, and immediately put it down. I said, well, you have told me nothing. You've told me absolutely yeah. nothing outside of me going, no, doing a deep dive yeah, on your entire world There's been history. a lot of beer shows that don't survive on the internet. I mean, we should anyway, survive. my glass has been empty for far too long. That's so. true. Yeah, we got to crack open the old 70 <laughs> IPA. So seven day IPA, it does say, and I'm, there's so many good things going on inside of the can. Our version of a no coast IPA, far from a west coast, but not sure to an east coast either. Not sure to an. Uh, I'm not gonna. 
I'm not going to grammar check you here. It has the yeah, bitterness. Well, uh, you, if you, there could be an error that I let but, through, but yeah. But not sure to it. I think I'm just reading that wrong. It has the bitterness you expect from traditional IPA, but also delivers the juicy tropical fruit and citrus flavor to your taste buds. Think melon, stone fruit, strawberry, pear, and grapefruit. That's a lot of fruit. We're whipping I'm getting up. getting a lot of fruit smell, though. That's the thing. Upon upon just popping the, uh, the ring pull and getting that first stuff oh. going up into my nose oh, i'm getting a lot of tropical stuff going on there ross it's not just grapefruit quite often ipas go say to me grapefruit and that's it and i'm like oh this is gonna hurt i'm getting um, a big this this is tropical fruits and it's there's more to it i'm getting a big hop profile out of it that is for sure big hops no, there's, a big, there's a big hop build on this one okay. um, but actually we'll be, uh, one thing i do want to talk about is the can because you guys are presenting, and this is almost the first public appearance uh, of the new logo, can logo for our seven day. Oh, I gave away and, the ending. <laughs> and it's going to be it hitting the NSLC store shelves, uh, replacing you know the re old logo with the uh, uh, cartoon lady face. Um, and but I did want to pay homage oh, to you know the original uh, and that's why we put the uh, little bitty classic brand on it and i um, i love that that's there it's it's very cute a classic how long was uh was keith brewing the seven day ipa for rob um he, he told me once uh i think it's you know it was like five years before we he actually started the uh before before so it might have been 2015 2016 ish Okay. He might be um, an IPA the, fan. The last, I forget. Both the I, uh, I beg your pardon, both, both the red IPA and the Irish red uh, poured. I poured them the same pace. Uh, they both gave about a finger, maybe a finger and a half's head. Uh, significantly more. <laughs> look at Ross's. Significantly more head going on with this. Mm, I love a. I'll be careful what I say. No, 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 no. <laughs> just go, go right ahead. No, blurt it out. Say it. Go ahead. I think we all love a beer with a bit of head on it. Is where <laughs> I was going to go. Uh, you were saying with Rob, a head that, on its uh, shoulders. Yeah, that uh, yes, the, one of the one of the beers with uh, the stout. Uh, the um, remind me, please. The stout. Not your nice. Yes, the the, uh. the the head disappeared disappointingly quickly, and you said there were maybe a, a, an issue with that particular batch. Um, not necessarily an issue with that particular batch. I think I I carved it on the low side, um, so I think for next year I want to up the carbonation. Um, you know, and it's you know it was kind of, it was in the ballpark, but I think it was just on the low end of what we okay. really needed to enjoy. Um, well, that's not happening with this. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. It, and it's not even a type. Any type of beer does that. But I mean, I, I, I cracked the top on this one, and the and it just started foaming out the top. And I knew I was going to spill it everywhere, and I pretty much did. It is. It's got a little bit of a cloudiness to it. It's not quite as crystal clear. Well, I I will also tell you that uh, that was only packaged uh, two or three weeks ago. Oh, fresh, fresh is a daisy. This one. We... It's not a hazy for sure. It doesn't have that look of the haziness about it. It's just a little cloud. I I love a hazy beer with a little bit of. Yeah, uh... But we're not trying to call this one hazy. This one, okay. uh, you know, 
that's the thing that started bothering me is we started enjoying beers that had a bit of cloudiness to it. You know, it doesn't need to be. And I I love the one. And they even say around the top of the can unfiltered. And I go, Ooh, yes, this is when you get a good, the good stuff. And we always talk about the flavor crystals or the sea monkeys still floating around in them. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the really, really good stuff. But when they, when they applied hazy as a flavor and I, I suddenly went, Oh, don't, don't do that. Don't take my word from me. Yeah, and that's one one thing I like about craft beer. Um, we had a guy in the tap room the other day, and uh, he had a glass of our Pilsner. And he's a home brewer, and he was really impressed at how clear our Pilsner has dropped. Because over time, if you come in, you can tell the difference in the batch. As the keg sit, it'll actually drop a little clearer. Okay. I just the other thing I want to point out here is my old biddy's original old biddy's brew house uh, pint glass. But this one of the few breweries you can get the twenty ounce pint glass. Most of them just sell you the sixteen or even the <laughs> get out of town fourteen ounce pint glass. But the full <laughs> twenty, this fits my uh, my four hundred seventy three milliliter can of seven day IPA proper like. I just a, poured mine Russ, into my German Stein. Your broken German and, Stein. Uh, you could see it even the entire contents they're gone they're gone they yeah. dropped into there and yep. it's just given that lovely hmm. uh what do they call that again the meniscus no what is it called the meniscus am I, am you I, you called it the meniscus but that's only if there's a dome to the liquid you're just uh, this is the yeah. foam so that's foam is different okay. okay well anyway it's sitting there like a little uh, ice cream that i want to lick um <laughs> in the glass Disappoint the children. And it's got and, and it's added added to the cloudiness because it's definitely unfiltered. Rob, um, <clears throat> am I not? Uh, am I not correct? There, you can see some stuff floating around in there. Oh, oh right. my god! I don't know Good. what it says. I am getting a nice sweetened, but a, a fruit sweetened, and I'm excited because it does say a number of fruits at the bottom of this one: the melon, stone fruit, strawberry, pear, grape. It's I can I can see it. Moving towards the the, the a strawberry sweetness as opposed to a grapefruity sweetness. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. I'm yeah. going for it. Yep. Yes. I don't always uh, find everything that's on the label myself, um, but uh, you know, it's some some people notice it better than others, um, and that's each individual palate will pick up different tastes. I've just spilt it down my old man's cardigan. Well done. That is, that is very, very smooth. That is so easy to drink. For a 6.5 IPA with 80-something IBUs, that went does down it, easy. Does it not remind you more, Ross? It doesn't say it is, and I, I can't remember what the cutoff point is. It tastes more like a double IPA mm. than, a, than your regular single. Mm-hmm. Because what we found is the double IPA will cut that first level. It's, it's almost like you have to get past that first level IPA. That, oh, okay, well, let, me, let, let us give you the good stuff. Mm. Uh, but a, a double would be stronger, wouldn't it? So for guys who profess to not enjoy IPAs, how are you enjoying your first tries? This reminds me of other IPAs that have surprised me. Where I think I definitely don't like IPAs, but we've we've so evolved. If, 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 if multiple IPAs have surprised you, 
Why do you say you're not a fan of IPA? That's what I'm saying. We've evolved to being, we're, we're not fans of bad IPAs. Oh, is anyone a fan of a bad beer? Yes! So many people are fans of bad <laughs> beer. And this is the problem. <laughs> the problem is, is that when Joe Schmo walks out of the LC carrying a case of Coors Light, it's illegal for me to shake it out of his hands. Um, and thinking back to my previous point, you know, a beer that, you know, you have to make as cold as possible, um, yes. you know, that, that actually does things to make sure you drink it cold. Yeah. Where, in, in, yeah, where they describe cold as a flavor. Coors Light, it's the coldest beer you can get. Yeah, Try this one. It's cold. on the can that have to be blue to make sure it's cold enough. Cold enough to not... warm, yeah. maybe some of the off flavors come up. Exactly. And then it'll maybe uh, actually taste like it's supposed to. As a non... Ross, I uh, hooks hooks us up with a with a for an IPA evening where we do between four and six of them uh, in one evening that's a good uh, almost as a joke to get through some of the as many as the IPAs as possible not a joke but you understand what I mean because there are as you pointed out there are so many of them on the market that it that it, that it needs an evening to try and get through another half a dozen of them but well, we well, we've, we've need a third person to be there that <laughs> evening to make sure that the, if you need a tiebreaker between oh, the had, two of you or something mm, uh, I'm available what I was about to say was, we, there's always maybe one or two of those IPAs that we try when we're like, we like that one. Yeah, that came out of nowhere. Who, who made this? We're, yeah. We're with several of them. I remember specifically, Ross, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was Nine Locks's The IPA that we both agreed was a really nice yep. A supposedly single IPA. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, and, and please don't ask me to remember anymore, but that one was one evening when we both said, this is so good. But of course, it was going up against five other IPAs. Uh, one, uh, maybe a one or two others that we said, this isn't so bad. We quite like this. And yet a couple of them would be like, we were almost, it was almost ringing in our ears, the bitterness and the grapefruit. We were like, ah, we, we went, hurt. we went in with a preconception of what we think is, this is, this is too much IPA. This is just stupid. It, it, it might be delicious to somebody, but we just don't understand how this level of hop flavor up front. And it's, it's mm -hmm. almost so much hop that it, it tastes even though there is already a sour beer, this amount of hop profile in my mouth tastes sour. You just sit there going, Gah. Yeah. Gah. This is a smoother, definitely a, a, definitely on the smoother side of mm. what is not officially, I, uh, unless you can um, correct me on it, Rob. It does say it's a strong beer, but it's on. It's still on the airs on the side of caution. You're not calling it a double. You're calling it an IPA. It's but a I single. am. Because uh, our double recipe is a lot stronger. Yeah. I I am naturally curious as to why it is called the seven-day IPA. Is there any relevance to the seven-day? So that's mostly because you can drink it seven days a week. <laughs> okay, thank you. And people do. Some people think it takes seven days to brew, but it doesn't. It's almost—it's almost four weeks. I can't—I can't drink that on my, on my night shifts, unfortunately. So it literally is a, just a, a marketing thing. It's just an everyday beer, right? Six and a half. Everyday, everyday enjoyable IPA. Yes, and it's a strong one. It's a strong one. Well, it, 
it's it's tricky to get a uh, a a week a week. No, we had we've had some six twos and some six O's. Yeah. It's not weak beer, Russ. Six. No, I don't six, mean that. I don't mean that. We've had some six O's and some six twos as IPAs. Yeah. Yes. I said down in the U.S. Uh, last September when I was on a motorcycle trip, I uh, found a four point IPA that uh, had all the flavor, but. This is where I've graduated, or I've kind of mathed this out in my head. When I go to an establishment, usually a bar that isn't like a craft tap room or something special like that, I said, oh, what's on tap? And they said, oh, and with an excited look in their eyes, the server always says, oh, well, we've got, we've got Coors. We've got Coors Light. We've got, we've got Molson. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Molson, can I, can I interest you in it? I'm like, okay, keep, keep, keep going, keep going. Do you have anything, like, not kind of off the... And they said, well, all right. Yeah, we've got a, we've, we got a something... And some often it's fine company. <laughs> I'm like, huh. And I I finally looked it up and I went, oh, yeah. cheater craft beer. Oh, I see yeah. <laughs> what you're doing there. And we've got a fine company IPA. And my brain went, well, at least I'm going to get the alcohol percentage. So come on, come on, bring, bring it on, yeah. bring it on. At least I'm going um, to. Yeah, I've, I've run into that too, where you come into the craft beer by Molson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, but that's also part of why we had to look at rebranding old biddies to great roads. Um, you know, cause you go to, you go to a nice fancy steakhouse that talks about a rotating IPA, you know, and, uh, you know, we go there purely so the waiter can, you know, snootily look down his nose at you. Um, when, when I ask what the, what, the, what's on their seasonal rotating tap and I could just imagine going, well, from old biddies, we got the seven day IPA. Um, I- you know, I think it might go a little better as, you know, Great Roads Brewing. Because um, we were fighting a bit of that. Uh, a lot of people do like the tongue-in-cheekness that we had, um, which is why I still want to keep, you know, aspects mm-hmm. of our, our bitty. Um, yeah. But uh, there was, a you know, just too many people were against it. And if you're wow. trying to grow a brand in a brewery, you kind of got to appeal to more people i'm surprised because even wine even wine and i thought wine was snooty i i thought wine was we need to call this one you know the, the cockles of lord hirschbald or so you know, it's, it, I, even going that far but they, they've got one in one of the local wineries right now and it's just called conversation water and <laughs> i cringed at that one i went Really, you're you're saying that you're gonna loosen your tongue with a bit of wine? That that seems a little sassy for for yeah. for wine drinking. But but beer... if you're an established brand, you can get away with that. That's but... how Nine Locks got away with Dirty Blonde. Exactly. But the thing is, you can't grow a brand really well on that. Now, unfiltered, I, I give them all the props for trying, but I I have a feeling they're gonna they're not you know they're not gonna grow as fast as they could. Because I don't mind some of the unfiltered brews. And I think they could, you know, it's just, I know they're trying to be tongue-in-cheek is going to hurt them in this, you know, now now we can go political with the overwoke uh, world. But you have to be so cognizant of, are you offending a demographic um, that you're trying to make your customers? You know, the... I don't want to go down a Bud Light rabbit hole, but, uh, you know, with that's Bud Light tried to appeal to a demographic and completely annoyed 
fifty percent of the market share. Ah, was it was it fifty? Was it as high as fifty? Because the same. Uh, well, I read an article that said Budweiser itself has lost has lost their sales have gone down twenty six percent, and that was a calculated move. Do you remember it was the year year or two year or three before Gillette did the exact same thing where they did a commercial about the be- and they turned the best a man could get into getting away from toxic masculinity and making fun of the phrase boys will be boys and there was there was a backlash but mm-hmm. someone way smarter than me said these kinds of things where where you hear the backlash well, you can't do that that's too you know uh huggy mm-hmm. uh, you know huggy uh, hippie hippie nonsense you can't get away with that but the fact is, is those things are starting to happen. And it's not because the companies are starting to realize, you know what, we should be nice about things. The companies are finally realizing, or not realizing, but the companies are calculating that more than enough people are flowing that way that they need to in order to sell. So the... the Well, it's their tar- people look at what their target market is. And that's the marketing side of things, which I totally understand. Um, and what you have to look at, where is your target market and how can you best, uh, Mm -hmm. get their attention. But what Bud Light calculated was losing the people who would get pissed off at a rainbow box was worth it to their bottom line to gain what they would with their rainbow box. And that was where certain people said, this is encouraging because this is basically telling us that the people who are paid the most money in the world to calculate this kind of thing have figured out that tolerance is, is more profitable than, um, to lack of another word right now, bigotry. Yeah. Um, the challenge became for them is that they discovered the, you know, you know the redneck Bud Light drinker, um, you know, because the 26? article I read was just yesterday, you know, is, is that Budweiser sales have been down, it said 26%, um, just an article that came across my feed. Um, and then uh, it talked about actually um, like another brewery in uh, Colorado that's closing. Um, cause I get a lot of beer news in, in my various feeds and, uh, you know, like a lot of breweries, small breweries are closing. It's still a very harsh marketplace. Um, and you have to figure out what works for you. Mm. And, you know, and it, a lot of that depends on the market you're in, what's around you and how do you target that market? Now? Yeah, it is harder for Budweiser because they have to target the entire market because they're everywhere. You know, like I'm sure them sponsoring the Olympics or or not the Olympics, the World Cup of Soccer um, in a country that said no drinking at the games other than these little spaces. That was probably cost them a lot of money. Yeah, they were a little pissed about that. (laughs) I can imagine. (laughs) um, Has the craft brewing industry that which is definitely improving over the last number of years. Has it made any real inroads into the big boys' profits? The reason why I ask mm. is because you, you you mentioned there, Ross, that uh, when you when you go into uh, an establishment and they say yes, we have a Coors Light and we have a uh, 
a Budweiser, but we also have this blah, blah, blah going on by. And you say, oh, well, that's just one of the big boys that are doing a and, and increasingly the big boys are now producing small batch. Okay, what do they define small batch? Yeah. Well, they, well, this smaller is smaller than the rest of their batches. Yeah. Do they now? Do they now? <laughs> is there now something of a not a backlash, but a, a, a almost an acceptance that they can't rest on their laurels and go and say, okay, we are still going to sell billions and billions of dollars worth of Molson Canadian and Budweiser and Coors, etc. Or are is it making enough inroads into their uh, profits to make them realize? Maybe we need to start making a beer for the more discerning customer. Yeah. See, and that the challenge is though is they're still a mass producer. Their version of a small batch probably exceeds my annual production in one batch. Yeah. And when you start looking at, you know, Moosehead, Cracked Canoe is their craft brewery. Mm -hmm. um, but is it made at a different facility with smaller tanks? Um, or is it just made in their regular facility? It's just they don't do as much of it. Is it sales preservatives? Because oftentimes when I have a big beer, we, 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 we had our night where we tried the Olin's, the Molson Canadian, and the Keats, the Ebsa 3. And I, I felt, I, and not to get snooty or be all I am a craft beer snob, but I felt like I could drink and taste the preservatives. In, in a large-scale beer that I was drinking. Well, and that is kind of the difference of a per, of a basically aficionado who's uh, spent more time with craft beer is you start noticing the mass market differences. Mm. Um, that's just the way things go. I've, I've been they... accused of being a professional taster, to which I said, what? <laughs> I said, I still hey, don't feel like I've you're, tried too you're much. You're professionals. Does that mean you get paid for it? Awesome. Yeah. Well, not yet. <laughs> Just, I don't know. Uh, we occasionally. I make jokes that I, I sometimes get paid to drink beer at seven in the morning. <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere. That counts. Well, but it doesn't. I never worry about telling time. I haven't worn a watch in. Uh, uh, since you can't May even. 14th, you can't even tell the last time you wore a watch. So. Don't have a calendar yeah. on your wrist either. Yeah. I are you in your IPA, Ross? I I'm done it. That was I I very I'm I enjoyed that. I think I as, brought a spare. Oh, that's the stuff. <laughs> I enjoyed that as much as I thought I would. I I I, yeah. I hoped that I was going to enjoy an old biddy's IPA, and I sure did. Mostly yeah. because as a non-IPA drinker, I appreciated that it was smoother. It was, it, 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 it tasted of a hot profile, but it didn't blow my socks off. It didn't destroy me. It just it, it did what I felt an IPA should you, deliver. You knew you were drinking a craft beer IPA. Yes. I knew and I was drinking a good craft beer IPA, not one that was just kind of, you know what, let's just stuff everything into this and then kill everyone. You just referred to it as, of course, an, an old biddies, an old biddies classic, as you've said it is, Rob, from the old uh, recipe. But, of course, you did explain to us how Great Roads Brewing got its name while we were there the other day. Do you <clears> care <throat> to remind me? Sure. Um, so we were the new owner, myself and uh, another person were sitting out on the patio. Um, 
that earlier this, uh, I want to say June or July. And we started looking at what was around us. Uh, the new owner is very community-minded. Um, so that's why we brought in Lake City Cider. We, uh, we're, we brought in wine from the valley. Uh, we want, we won't bring in, you know, something from out of, out of town kind of like, or like out of the province. Um, we're bringing in, uh, ready to drink cocktails from still fire distillery down in the valley. Um, so we want to do things that promote Nova Scotia, keep things local. Um, so we looked around Fultz house museum is just down the street from us. Uh, for those that don't know, it's just a nice little, it's an old carriage house style museum. Um, and we started looking at their website and their website talks about, um, how Cobbequid, um, trying, this is all from memory. I didn't actually study for this, but, uh, <laughs> I say Cobbequid is Mi'kma'ki for where the water flows into the ocean or something like that. Um, and Fultz house was the intersection of the path to, uh, Cobbequid, which is basically towards Truro which then, be, you know, basically Cobblecoot Road goes out to the old number, number two, out to uh, Truro. And then you have the number, old number one, because you got to remember, the official, the Mi'kma'ki trading routes are what became the wagon trains, the wagon roads, which then became our old highways. And then the 100 series shortcutted them. So like all these roads we have are what built our country. Um so right now, our plan is to look more into our uh, heritage and culture around the area um, and try to build upon that. And so we went with Great Roads because Crossroads was taken um, because, you know, all great roads lead to great beer. So therefore, it just makes sense, right? Um, mm. That's why our the shield of our, uh, of our new logo is based the exact same as if you look at say the number one number two the old highway system oh, um, it's the same shape as those highway signs yeah true. um that was intentional and you know our new logo is a highway going along the coastline and so you know so we're working on that aspect of you know the the traveling portion of nova scotia um you know, we have a lot more research to do to make sure we're properly, um, you know, making sure we are correct with the Cobbequid um, and the the paths to the to the various places in Nova Scotia. But that gave us the idea. We want to explore it more. Um, we will start to work on the vibe and decor of the tap room uh, to be more roadworthy, so to speak. Um, and that's kind of that's kind of where our thoughts are going. Um, we just knew our little old lady was her days were numbered, um, and uh, so we had it was a necessary thing to do. Um, the feedback we got from NSLC is uh, is good. And, uh, so actually, this is my chance now uh, with this image of the tap room behind him. Um, for those who had visited the old tap room, because we had a lot of people who were coming in, haven't been to the new tap room that we moved to this summer. We don't longer have the picnic tables inside. Uh, we are, we do have a food program. So we have a, we have a kitchen with uh, appetizers, burgers, uh, a bunch of different options. 
And so uh, there are shareables like nacho platters, things like that. Uh, we're trying to go more for the brew pub vibe, um, literally, and you can literally touch the tanks. Um, we're not one of those breweries that has the big wall in between you and uh, the brew house itself. Uh, we have these little yellow barricades that uh, drive me bonkers trying to move around. Um, but uh, And then depending on what's going on, sometimes you'll be sitting there having your beer watching me work on things. Um, it is very tactile. I noticed that. I mean, when you took me, uh, when Tristan and I and Ross sat down at that very table that I can see in that photograph there the other day, and uh, and you served me up a burger, which arrived extremely quickly after it was ordered. My son had the mozza sticks. Everything was perfectly delicious, and I had love a fry. I'm a sucker for a good burger. So it, so usually when I go into a brew house or <laughs> I got to say it, any pub restaurant, I'm usually going to order the burger. I, it's just something I do. It was perfectly delicious, and it was lovely to actually like you, sir. So one of the Red things... Yellow, yellow um, um, segregationary fences, and, and you were showing me the canning process and working. <laughs> I keep dropping in and out. I do apologize. Yeah. But wor working by your good self. But by all accounts, you're disappearing for a month. And allowing things to go while you're uh, while you're spawning around in the Caribbean and allowing <laughs> it for a little while. I'm so jealous. Yeah. Well. So. Uh, so continuing with the theme of the burger, we're actually talking with uh, a local uh, Windsor area farmer down in the valley to try to get our beef burgers from him, and uh, uh -huh. uh, to try to keep that local thing. Um, yeah. To keep that going. Um, but uh, right now, the reason now is a good time for me to run away is January and February are traditionally slow months. You know, you have the people who have their New Year's resolutions are going to get better and do less drinking or that kind of stuff. And then you have the dry February. Um, well, March 1st, uh, sales pick up at, at, uh, at the NSLC and in, uh, in the tap room. So right now I've got uh, a lot of cans stocked up in the fridge. Uh, I literally have all but maybe 20 to 25 of our kegs full of beverage. Uh, and that cooler's about as full as it's going to get. And uh, As we saw. As we saw. That's yeah. Good. And uh, so I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to running away and uh, mm -hmm. um, taking a, a break. Um, but knowing the tanks are empty, so we're all good there. It's been lovely to meet you. I've got to get away as well. Ross, uh, I'm out of here. Good night. We didn't even review any of these, but they, they were all delicious. Thank, thank you so much, Rob, for uh, for being here. Uh, Ian, uh, a special thanks to uh, my co-host, Ian, for always uh, being here as per usual. And we are here every Tuesday, 8 p.m., uh, as uh, live here on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at drinknsdry. You can check out the uh, the main site is drinknsdry.unsupervised.beer. We've got a profile over on Facebook, or you can uh, find the Drink NS Dry podcast on all four of the podcasty places. I think I got everything in there, but a big thanks to uh, Rob uh, Turscott for joining us tonight from Great Roads Brewing. Some delicious stuff going on there. I do recommend you stop by. 111 Cobblecoot Road, Lower Sackville. There's the one. 
I honestly, I just toss stuff into into the GPS and it just guides me there. But thank you for joining us, everyone, tonight, and we'll see you next time. Good night.